Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Uncommon Knowledge. I'm Jennifer, and this week I'm going to talk to you about something that is probably the hardest thing for me to talk about, but also going to be the most exciting podcast I've done. I've really wrestled back and forth in the last couple of weeks as I've prepared for this podcast because like I said, it's it's exciting. It's it's a topic that for the last several years has been forefront for me. Um, it actually was kind of the catalyst for a lot of things that I do professionally and a lot of the discovery that I've gone through personally. And I wrestle with it because in sharing this episode with you, <clears throat> whew, I'm getting choked up already. I'm, I'm going to talk about some of the most vulnerable moments for me and some of the hardest moments, some of the hardest discoveries for me. Um, because this is really, really personal for me. And I'm sharing with the world these things. And the majority of my listeners are actually people that I don't know. So you are out there listening to something about me that is incredibly personal. And I'm sharing it with you for many reasons. But the biggest reasons are because somebody somewhere needs to hear this. And I have experience to speak from that maybe will help somebody not feel so alone. But this episode is about being seen and heard and the impact that has on our lives and the ability that you have as a human to be able to give an incredible gift to somebody else simply by letting them know that you see them and that you hear them. It's probably one of the most prolific of all human desires, this desire to be seen and heard. It's a powerful driving force. It's the motivation behind people's activities and posts and levels and drives and where they want to be. It's, as I've already touched upon, a motivation for me and even doing this podcast, let alone all of my podcasts. It can be a loud voice in our head. It can be an energy to just scream and kick and fight and be a three-year-old having a a tantrum. It could be why a lot of three-year-olds do a lot of the things that they do. This desire to be seen and heard, kind of especially at three, everything that they teach you about how to interact with children in the terrible threes comes back to this process of, can you imagine what it would be like to feel that you could completely understand the communication being given to you by the world, but feeling like the world did not understand you. (laughs) When I learned that, it put such a fresh perspective on what I was trying to do as a parent when my son was three, and it just allowed me to see his behaviors as not... Um, angst against me or trying to cause problems for me or trying to be a troublemaker, but it allowed me to see him as somebody that just was struggling and wanting to be seen and heard. And that's probably the first time that I think I saw it in somebody else and acknowledged it and went, whoa, I have the ability to give him a gift. And it literally comes in me taking the time to sit down and be like, bud, it's really rough what you're doing going right now, right? It must be really tough trying to be three, and you just feel like everything you do is misinterpreted or not even understood at all. And I, man, that's got to be frustrating. And the change I saw in him when I could meet him on that level was amazing. (laughs) It wasn't perfect. He still had tantrums. It didn't like, it wasn't like it was a magic switch that all of a sudden we now spoke the same language. 
seriously far from it because there were still so many conversations and times and experiences and moments when I wasn't perfect and I was exhausted and I did not have the capacity to see and hear him and I just I, I didn't in those moments and you know that opened up opportunities for me to apologize later but <laughs> it, it made being a parent of a three-year-old so much more understandable <laughs> I wasn't perfect, good lord, but it made it possible for me to help him be three and allow him to be three and us navigate those waters together. But I think really kind of the biggest impact that this desire to be seen and heard, when you look at it, it, it helps you understand the unspoken worry that every human is facing behind the question of their very existence. This need to be seen and heard drives us on such an unconscious level that most of us probably never even get to the point of being introspective enough to see what it is that is causing our behaviors. I I want to start kind of just, you know, with a little background on how this came to be something that I really was aware of in my own self. And that journey was, like I said, it kind of started in the parenting aspect, I saw it as a way to parent him that, man, my kid just wants to be understood and how aggravating it was for him, right? It's probably why I I saw it in one silo in my parenting role. So to talk about it in, in more recent years, I do weekly videos on LinkedIn professionally, usually about whatever's been kind of forefront of my mind. And, And recently, we've all been navigating so much uncertainty and it's really gotten me exploring the idea of what it means to be human. You know, in reality, I've, I've been defining or redefining and rediscovering that for years. But in those last couple of weeks, I've just kind of been wrestling with it and kind of been exploring in the last couple of months, what does it mean to be human and what does that look like and how does that get applied professionally and personally? And, and part of that has been in this whole process of redefining what it is to be human and bringing back being human to my job, to my candidates, to my coworkers, and really intentionally applying those things. And from the fresh perspective of seeing people for who they are, for what they really are, and that's a human being, right? And on the opposite side of that transaction, it's not a transactional nature. Um, What we do when we interact with humans is not. I don't care what it is that you do. It's not purely transactional. There is a human being attached to the other side of, of that conversation or that action or that purchase, that sales pitch, whatever it is. So when I got into recruiting, I just, I learned that there's this side to it, that there's this group and of recruiters and agencies with within the greater scope of recruiting um, that I've kind of come to term the spaghetti slingers or the churn factory. They have little to no concern for the people that they recruit. It's all about metrics. It's all about putting resumes over. It's not even about putting people over. It's about resume presents to their clients. And it has destroyed the recruiting industry. And that is a whole other topic and one that I get on a soapbox about. But in discovering that, I really, really identified that that did not sit right with me. And that was not at the core of who I was as a person. And it was not who I was going to be and what I was going to be about in recruiting. So I literally set out in this mission to rehumanize recruiting. And I wanted to rehumanize the process. And I was going to do it even if I was the only one. <laughs> and 
I was only able to do it one person at a time. I was going to do it. I was going to be that difference maker. All of this kind of comes together in this perfect storm of realizing how essential that is. Rehumanizing, not even just professionally, getting back to the point of realizing that all of us, at a very basic level, just want to be seen and heard. And it may not be all the time, but y'all, it is prolific. It is prevalent in those moments when we are carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, or we've had a bad day, or we've had a great day. We were we have some success or whatever, but it is these moments and it may just be brief moments in each person's life, but there are moments that all you wanted was to be seen or heard. And in customer service, this has a profound effect because if you have ever worked a customer service job, you know what it's like to get a phone call for some, from somebody or have somebody come into the store who's had a bad experience and they're irate and they're angry and They don't care that you're not the person who did whatever it is, but you are the person who gets to field this situation and your response to it. If you can take a time in the moment to see them for what it, what they are, and that's a human being who's wrestling with something or dealing with something who just wants to be heard. If you can do that in that moment and not take it personally, not take what they're saying personally or how they're saying it or even the blame that they may be trying to put on you. But if you can see them in that moment, as maybe somebody who's struggling, you have no idea what their backstory is. If you can see in that moment and stop and say, I hear you, I understand that, and then X, Y, or Z or whatever is really a frustrating situation. I'm sorry that that happened to you. Let me figure out how I can help you. It's amazing the turnaround that you can see in that because that person probably realizes that there might not be a whole lot of things that you can do for them and you may not even be able to do anything for them. But if you can let that person know that they are heard, they are seen, most of the time you will take all of the air out of their anger argument. You will completely deflate that and you will turn the situation around so that whatever solution, resolution that you can provide them will be more than satisfactory for them. What impact could you have on somebody's life personally if you could see them and hear them? And this is where it'll get tough for me. Six years ago, I moved to Dallas and I live in a part of Dallas where most of the families are single income families because I'm gonna say the overwhelming majority of the wives don't work because they don't have to. Their spouses provide million dollar, if not multi-million dollar incomes. So their kids don't know what it's like to have both working parents or be in a single family home where mom has to work because she is it. She's the one putting the roof over their head or whatever it is. Most of the non-working moms, the stay-at-home moms, which I have honestly zero problem with and if you're able to do that in your life more power to you because there are serious benefits um, that come with being able to be home for your children that was my plan for my life I was going to be the stay-at-home mom who was home when her kids got home from school and I was there to celebrate or to commiserate with them and I was going to be the mom that was at the sporting events and every activity and be the room mom and all of those things. But I made choices that led to different outcomes for me. And I don't 
regret those because I'm definitely better off now. So I want you to understand I'm not shaming stay-at-home moms. Um, trust me, if I could be that, I would be. But the first week of school was really, really tough here in a new city where I didn't know anybody. And I moved into this environment and I have changed not only jobs, but careers. And I am trying so very hard to learn and to get to the place where I feel confident in what I'm doing professionally and that that I feel like I didn't make a mistake and that I feel like I'm going to get to a place where I can provide for my kid. Um, Because in most of recruiting, if you're not a corporate recruiter, you are earning commissions based on closing different placements and commissions are lifeblood. (laughs) Um, They're what make your base salary livable. I'm struggling. I'm trying to make sure my kid is well adjusted in this new school and that he has all the things that he needs. And the first week I am juggling the fact that I can't drop him off until 7.30, but I need to be butt and seat at my office, um, thankfully only two miles away, by 8 o'clock. And pressure is mounting. I now find out that I need to have some t-shirt for him that's like the school spirit t-shirt. So I have to park, get out, walk him in, go to the line to buy the shirt, to pick out whatever shirt he wants. And I'm standing there behind two mommies who obviously are dressed to go to yoga or tennis practice or something. They've got their coffee mugs and they're casually chatting like they have no place to be. Um, And they're in line in front of me, so they're slowing down my transaction. And I wait behind them in their decision-making process to decide which of the 14 shirts they're going to buy their kids. (laughs) When I finally get up and it's my turn, I have the shirt that I know that I want and I know what size I need it for him. And the lady, no fault of her own, tells me that they don't accept credit cards, only cash. And uh, the last thing in the world that I have at this particular moment, and most moments in time, is cash. So I have now spent 20 minutes in line waiting to find out that I cannot complete this transaction and my kid's going to go and have probably a perfectly fine normal day, but I am feeling like I have failed him because he's going to be the new kid in class and the new kid in school and he's not going to have the spirit shirt. And in my mind, he's going to be the only one and he is going to feel singled out and I am going to feel like a failure. So I just turn and leave. And as I'm leaving, or trying to leave, his teacher sees me and she stops me and says, what's up? What's going on? And I tell her, And I hold back the tears as much as possible. She goes, I have $20 in my desk. Let me go get it. And we'll get him the shirt. I'll make sure he gets it and puts it on. I hold it together long enough to go back, to get back in line, to wait. And I get him the shirt and she takes it off. She takes off with with it and gets him set up for the day. But that wasn't it. That was enough. I felt seen in that moment. His teacher saw me and went, whoa, (laughs) I need to help. She did. I I still don't think she understands how much she helped me that day, but that wasn't the end of it. As I'm leaving, I'm walking to my car, and I'm thinking to myself, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. You just need to get to the car. You just need to get to the car. Because inside I'm thinking, never let him see you cry. (laughs) Never let him see you sweat. Never let him see you cry. I have to impress these people. I have to look like I have my crap together. Which is a big theme in most of my life was feeling like I had to always look like I had all my crap together. As I approach the car, this total stranger walks up to me and says, Are you okay? And I just looked at her and I had had no more restraint in me. I just said, No. 
and started crying. <laughs> this total stranger grabbed me and hugged me and said, it'll be okay. And as the words came gushing out, and I told her about <laughs> all the anxieties, including being a single parent, <laughs> trying to make life happen in this particular part of town and situation, she just hugged me harder and said, I've been there. I understand. It's really hard, isn't it? It'll be okay. He's going to have a great day, and you're going to have a good day, and the two of you are going to make a great life together. It's going to be okay. After I stopped crying, <laughs> I thanked her, and she said, Oh, it's my pleasure. I wish when I had first done this, somebody had seen me. So when I saw you today and you were struggling, I knew I needed to help you. And she said, And she said, My name's Jennifer. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> and I almost started laughing slash crying harder because... What are the odds <laughs> that another Jennifer, that's really low. I mean, that's, there's a lot of us out there, but another Jennifer single mom would see me that day and see me. She pointed at her house and she said, I live right there. If you ever need anything, you let me know. And over the years, I have walked past that house a million times and I've never gone to the door. But one day I was walking with my son and she happened to be outside <laughs> and I just stopped and I said, you're Jennifer, right? And she said, yes, I I said, you don't probably remember this, but about uh, about five and a half years ago, you made an impact on my life because you, you saw me and you helped me. And she got big tears in her eyes. She, she said, I remember you. Single mom having a rough day, huh? And I said, yes. She goes, obviously things <laughs> turned out okay. And I said, can I just hug you? She said, absolutely. We hugged and I said, thank you so much for helping me that day. I don't think you have any clue how much it meant to me but y'all the feels <laughs> you have no idea how many other times in the years and since then too that I've struggled I feel like I row a boat all by myself as a single parent who works full-time who struggles with a kid who has some challenges and not knowing what to do and there are just days y'all that I am just wound so tight and it takes everything I have <laughs> to keep it together. And there's so many days that I think that I'm just exhausted from rowing the boat by myself. And in those moments, it would just really be nice if somebody said, Hey, it looks like you're having a hard day. What can I do for you? How can I help you? And it would be nice <laughs> if sometimes when I was upset or angry or worried for somebody to recognize those things... And I'm going to tell you this, I have a friend who I've made at my current company who is a lifeline for me. <laughs> I, I joke about keeping her on speed dial, but it really is true. I, I need that lifeline of conversation with her sometimes because it's the only thing that talks me down from the ledge sometimes. I think everybody needs that person in their life where they when they're just stressed they can go to and vent and they know that the person is not going to judge them for what they're saying the person is not going to to try to solve their problems or do anything but listen having a friend like that is a lifeline is seriously a, a thing that everybody needs because it ties right into that feeling like somebody sees you and hears you that's somebody who sees you and I can't tell you how important that is not only to see you when you're stressed not only to see you when you're hurting, but to see you for your strengths and to call them out in you. Because that's a good thing. Because right now, I'm probably the busiest I've been in the last two and a half years. And it's nice. I cannot tell you how 
much better it makes the toughness, the stress of what I am trying to accomplish this quarter for us. I don't feel like I'm rowing the boat alone. I may be in the boat alone in the fact that I'm it. I'm the one responsible for actually making these things happen. But I have people in boats around me there to help me and just cheer me on, encourage me, (laughs) recognize when I'm chewing my lip or when that, that sigh has gotten to be too heavy or to know when I'm not acting in a way that's in the usual. So if you're out there, you're struggling, you're seen, there are people in your life who see you. You might not know it because you're not looking for it and you don't even know that that's what you're looking for because it honestly wasn't until I became a recruiter and saw the disconnect in the spaghetti slingers and churn factory that I recognized the need and that it existed and it's crazy but I had to see it outside myself first before I could identify it inside. So like I said, If you're feeling like you are alone in this or that, you are struggling under this feeling, like you are just rowing this boat by yourself and that nobody cares, reach out to people, find out, because there are people in your life who see you. There are people in your life who love you and accept you no matter what you're dealing with. And if you're like me and trying to always look like you have your crap together, (laughs) let me tell you, nobody does. So stop lying to yourself, (laughs) allow yourself to be human, but allow yourself to embrace the fact that you need to find people who see you. Identify it when you find it in yourself, but start looking for it in others. Start looking for ways that you can see others, that you can let them know that they are seen. Dare to find that moment where you can say to them, I hear you, I see you. It must be really tough to be dealing with what you're dealing with. How can I help? And sometimes just listening is help enough. So I would challenge you that if you can't do that for yourself, can't identify or start looking for it in ways to genuinely connect and be human with people. And I almost guarantee that you'll learn to see those places where inside you are screaming for somebody to hear you or you just want to be seen. That's what I have for you for this episode. And I hope that at least one person listening feels less alone. And until next time, be well.